Hey friends, welcome to the Her God Story podcast, where you will always hear a good story to build your faith and equip you in your walk with the Lord. I'm your host, Jody Caracosta, ministry leader at Somebody Cares America and International, author and traveler on this journey of faith. Psalm 23 is a very familiar passage to many of us. The New Living Translation reads, The Lord is my shepherd, I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even though I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. When I think of Lynn Beattie's life, I'm reminded of this psalm. Like many of us, the various verses can describe different seasons in our life, but from the beginning when Lynn committed her life fully to Christ, following her shepherd has never been in question. I first met Lynn when my husband Ron and I were dating. For a time, she had sacrificially served him and the children after the death of Ron's first wife, and she was considered family. So meeting her was a big deal, and I could see Jesus in her right away and was so grateful for the love and joy she had shown Ron and the kids through a very dark time in their lives. Now widowed, Lynn was married to her husband, Rick, for 41 years, and she has five adult children. Welcome, Lynn. Thank you, Jody. It's good to be with you. So, Lynn, tell us just a little about your background and how and where you were raised. I am a complete Jersey girl. I was born in New Jersey, raised in New Jersey. I've never lived anywhere else. So uh, for some people, that will um, give them an idea of of growing up in New Jersey. Um, I also grew up in a middle-class family. Um, As far as church went, my father uh, made sure that we were in church on Sunday, that we were a part of Sunday school. You grew up in the church, and did you, at that point, embrace Jesus uh, and and all that he had in your life, or was there a little bit of a struggle? Uh, There was a big struggle. I accepted the Lord as, I guess, I would think as my Savior when I was 12, responding to an altar call at church. We grew up in a Baptist church, so hearing the gospel was a regular thing, and um, having the opportunity to respond was also a regular thing. So when I was 12, that was what I did. And I knew the truth about God and who he was and who Jesus was. Uh, But at the time, being 12 and through my growing up years, I also was pretty independent. And I remember even saying to the Lord for 10 years, I know that you want to be Lord of my life and I am not ready. So I spent those years kind of doing my own thing, being a little bit rebellious. What brought you to that place where you were ready for for Jesus to be all to you? After, I, I think I was about 22, I had already been married. I had already been divorced. I had a child uh, that I was raising. Um, and then when Rick and I began dating, and we were dating for a while, we also had a child. At that time, we had no plans to get married, and um, I wasn't sure how I would do raising two children. Uh, Probably wasn't very confident in the one I was raising, and so I placed that child for adoption. And I think after that, at that time, I realized, you know what, Lynn, you are not doing this well. You are making many mistakes, and so then I kind of started turning my face back towards the Lord. I started putting on some Christian music, opening my Bible, and just really realizing that um, I did not want to continue down the path I was on. So Christian music actually played a part in Mm -hmm. your recommitment to the Lord. You heard some music at a nearby church that initially drew your interest. And how did that relate to your really coming back to Christ? Well, after Rick and I were married, uh, we actually lived across the street from the church that we were married in. And on one Saturday, uh, my girlfriend and I were out doing some things. Rick was fishing with a friend. And as we were coming down the street on the way back, we saw a couple guys playing guitar on the lawn of the church. And so we thought, okay, 
That's interesting. So we parked the car and we headed over there and we spent the afternoon, you know, listening to their music. And then in the evening, they did a concert at the church. And so we attended that concert. And that really began to solidify for me what I needed to do and where I needed to place my life. So as soon as you really recommitted your life to the Lord, you you jumped right in and started volunteering at the church, being involved in youth ministry, and you started seeing God move in your life. I, I love the story of how God worked in your lives, you, your life and Rick's really at, at Creation Fest. Will you share that? Mm. Rick made a commitment to the Lord about two months after me. Those same guys had come back to our church and had done another concert. And the thing that really uh, impressed me with my husband was when I told him originally about us being at the church and hearing those guys play, he immediately picked up the Bible and started reading it. Soon after, he committed his life to the Lord, and we began serving in the church. We worked with the youth group, uh, taught Sunday school, and so Creation Festival came, and we were taking a group of young adults to Creation We also were moving into our house that same weekend, which all happened very quickly. And so we decided that my girlfriend and I would take the young adults and head to creation. And my husband would spend the week just moving everything into the house. And then he would join us at creation. Well, we got to creation early because we were serving and helping to set up. Uh, When we arrived at Creation, my van, as soon as I parked it, would not start again. And so we were camping. We camped there. Um, On Friday night, I was in the volunteer trailer, and my husband called and said that he was not going to be coming to Creation because there was just way too much work to do. So I walked out of the trailer crying and, you know, bummed that he wasn't coming. And our friends came up to me and said, Lynn, Rick has to come. Your van won't start. And I thought, oh, you're right. So I went back in and called him and said, you know what? You have to come. My van won't start. And so he um, did end up coming. Poor guy got there about 2 in the morning. And the next day, uh, Saturday morning, as Creation Festival was opening for the day, the founder of Creation Festivals was singing a song called Jesus Pray For Me. He had his acoustic guitar. I was standing right near the fence of the um, arena area, and we were camping very close to that area. And as I was standing there, I was praying, and I said, Lord, would you make a way for Rick? I really just want him to be a part of this festival and to hear what's going on here. And we are probably a half an hour from a, um auto parts store. And it could take him all day to fix this van. And so as I was praying that, Rick walked up to me and he had a part in his hand. And it, the part was called a ballast resistor. he hadn't gone resistor. anywhere yet. No. He hadn't done anything. He just pulled this part out of the car. As he walked over to me, a guy walked up to us. And I would say that it was an angel. (laughs) He walked up to us. He looked at Rick's hand and he said, do you need that part? And Rick responded, well, this is what I'm going to start with. And the guy said to him, come with me. I have two in my car. The part was called a ballast resistor. I had never even heard of it. So Rick went with him. And he said he got to the guy's car, and the guy opened his glove compartment, and he had two ballast resistors in his glove (laughs) compartment, and he handed one to Rick. Rick came back. He put the ballast resistor in my van, and my van started. Wow. We were pretty (laughs) convinced that that was an angel that God sent our way. We never saw that guy again. We never saw his car again. And so also at that time, I was thinking about being baptized. I was baptized that day. (laughs) And it made a rather large impression on both of us. I'll say that is a great story. That is an angelic visitation. Yes, I'm sure. Just the right time. Yes. So after that, through the years, you know, you were tuned in to what the Lord was saying to you and, and God started changing you in many ways and transforming you like he does to all of us to be more like him. And 
you know, as you went to him about different issues, he spoke to you. Can you tell us about some of those things, some of those times? Uh, yes. One of them I'll share. Uh, I was a mom at the time, had children, you know, in the house. And I am kind of sad to say, but I was a screamer. I yelled at my kids often. And they all had their ways that they would react to that. And one uh, afternoon, I had yelled at my children. And I was at the top of the step. And I remember saying to the Holy Spirit... Lord, why do I act like this? Why do I scream at my children like this? And the Holy Spirit just clearly said to me, because you feel like your life is out of control, and when you yell, everybody jumps. It just really broke me. I just said, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me. And so I would love to say I never yelled at my kids again. (laughs) But God began a process in me that he began to deal with some of the issues that caused me to uh, feel out of control. And he began to heal those places so that I could be a changed mom. So that was Yeah, one. I remember my... Yes. Yeah, I remember when, when growing up, my, my mom, um, she's, she's a wonderful, lovely, godly mm-hmm. woman. But when, when she got, first got saved, she had an anger issue. And we could tell coming home from school if she was mad before we ever saw her. We could just feel it in the air when we walked in the door. And um, we would, you know, we would run up to our room because uh, we didn't want to be, you know, we, we didn't want to be the, uh, the, yes, have that anger pointed at us. Yes. But uh, she, she also went to the Lord and got delivered overnight. Yes. Just, you know, yes. I mean, it was a complete change. The Lord does those things. When we he have does. those issues, we can just go to God. I mean, he's, he's the one who changes it in the first yes. place. We don't need to yes. be afraid or ashamed to say, Lord, help. Yes. 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 Another time, um, early on in my relationship with Rick, um, He grew up in a home with a very strong mom. I grew up in a home with a very strong dad. And so, um, so during our relationship, I was pretty much in charge of the relationship and and in charge of our home. He was avoid conflict uh, at every turn. And I took advantage of that. One day I was in my kitchen and I was saying to the Lord, Lord, this isn't right. Um, Can you, can you show me what's going on in me? And the Holy Spirit showed me a picture of me standing in my mother's kitchen and making a vow to myself that said, no man will ever rule over me. And again, I just went with that and working with the Lord knew that I had to repent of that, that I had to renounce that and that I had to break that oath by the power of the Holy Spirit, break that oath over my life. And so God began a process. Years later, I remember a girlfriend saying to me, Lynn, when you guys used to walk into the house, we would say, here comes Lynn and Rick. And now we say, here comes Rick and Lynn. God is so Mm, good. The Lord balanced it out. So good. Mm -hmm. Yes, he showed us. He taught me. You know, many times we are praying, God, change my husband. Change my husband. And I used to get (laughs) mad at him because because he'd always say, no, this is you. Well, I'm working with you. God brought me to a place of understanding what our relationship needed to look like. And the covering that my husband was for me and um, how to walk in relationship with him. And it's not a message a lot of women like to hear these days. You know, we're taught, we're all, I mean, the media tells us, you know, how we need to be our own person separate. Mm -hmm. But when we get married, the two become one and it's a mystery and it's a divine miracle. But that's what happens. And God has a divine order that if we will walk in it, yes, things go so much better. Yes, yes. And I remember saying to my husband, you know, I need you to say no to me because I can be all over the place. God has g- 
given you to me as a gift that in our relationship that you would also be some protection for me. So I need you to say, no, Lynn, we're not doing that. And as my husband began to grow in that, you know, we were able to grow in our marriage and grow in our family. Yeah. And serving the Lord really as part of the church uh, and, and other ways has always been an integral part of your faith. So, you know, what are some of the ways the Lord has led you to serve throughout the years? Um, I've served in a myriad of ways. Um, we started out with youth uh, when we first got saved and serving in Sunday school. And then in uh, we've really only been a part of two major churches in our married life that uh, each of those 20 years. And uh, I served in children's ministry. Um, I was... Uh, responsible for the children's ministry in our first church and then actually in the church that we are in now I was on staff for some years and served also in children's ministry I've had some opportunities with women women I think are a heart thing for me desiring to see women uh, get unstuck and allow God to do some things in their lives and grow in their relationship with the Lord so I've had opportunity even um, now I serve with a ministry called Women of the Word uh, we mostly are a women's conference ministry and so we come into an area where we've been invited we basically bring a conference for women and uh, my role there uh, prior to COVID we would meet in hotels uh, my role there was to manage the ballroom, whatever was going on in the ballroom. And now I also am leading a Bible study in my home. We started, they started a uh, area for women of book clubs. I have the opportunity to lead a book club. Our book club happens to be a Bible study that we're doing. And I feel like the main two areas of ministry for me is that um, I'm a good armor bearer. So I'm a good second person. I'm not necessarily the one with the vision. I'm able to come alongside and help that to see that vision happen. Um, and also, I really feel like the Lord has gifted me with encouragement and hospitality. And so I would say mm. that that is my one of my main joys is uh, being able to come alongside of others and encourage them and their relationship with the Lord. And whether I do that through uh, cooking meals for people, um, driving someone somewhere, you know, just being able to hear about a need and have a desire to come alongside and to help and be Jesus with skin on as people need it. In response to James 127, Somebody Cares created the Widows and Orphan Fund. As a company of women, we can do so much together to take care of the special needs and cultivate the special gifts of children he has put in the care of our ministry partners around the world, as well as widows who've served the Lord faithfully in ministry and are now in need. I invite you to join our number with a gift at hergodstory.org by clicking on the Widows and Orphan tab. Thank you so much for caring. Ministry happens at such a deep heart level when you do those kinds of service and when you're meeting in small groups, it's so many of us think, gosh, I need to, you know, to, to really serve the Lord. Yes. I've got to lead a ministry or I've yes. got it, but that's not, that's not what he calls us to. We're a body and all of us have different parts and different roles and serving and, and, and discipling and, and being there, Jesus with skin on really yes. is where a lot of the ministry, the deep level ministry happens. Mm. In my younger years of serving in ministry, I didn't really have any boundaries. And there was a lot of me that was having needs met as I met the needs of others. And so mm. I think that's something that we have to think about in ministry. You know, we can be out there helping and serving. But we also need to be responsible for our lives. And I remember getting to a point where God showed me that a lot of the ministry that I was involved in was really about Lynn. 
Mm-hmm. It was really about fulfilling a need in me, a need for approval, a need for acceptance. And when God showed me that, it was a very hard thing to deal with, you know. And I thought, Lord, has all of the ministry and uh, lives that I've been involved with, has it been for naught? And God said, no, it was still ministry. But now I'm bringing you to a place that I'm going to separate the holy from the profane. Mm. And he brought me through a process of dealing with the issues in my life and healing me and restoring me and redeeming me. That from that point, that ministry could be pure, more pure, (laughs) and not be about me. And so that, that was really a big changing point in my life. And I think that happens with us, that we um, sometimes are involved in ministry, but it's really about us and the needs that we have. And so allowing God the opportunity to heal us and to redeem us and to bring us to a place that ministry can really be about him and can really yeah. be about the needs of the people that we're serving. Yeah, that is such a good point. I'm glad you brought that up. I I know in my younger years, I would say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I was, mm-hmm. I, I wanted to just do everything for the Lord and it was me doing things, mm-hmm. you know, for the Lord. And I remember waking up one day and realizing mm-hmm. I love all the things that I'm doing, but I really hate my life. And that was a way oh, yes. you know, the Lord was, yes. you know, the Lord was saying, Hey, I didn't call you to all of this. You took it on yes. yourself. Yeah. Over the years, I've had to look back and say, Lord, what, what was wood, hay and stubble and what was the Mm. things that will come through the refiner's fire? Those are the things I want to be about. Yes. And um, yeah, I've had, you know, similar ponderings and conversations with the Lord. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Life was humming along pretty nicely for you when in 2016, you received some real shocking news. Rick had a rare form of aggressive cancer. Not what you wanted to hear, not what anyone wants to hear, but how did you react or respond and and what did you hear God saying in the midst of it? I do remember, of course, you know, it did kind of come out of nowhere for us. In a very short time, we were on a very different road. I remember at the beginning laying in bed, going up to, well, I said to my husband, I'm going to take my Bible and go upstairs. I just need time with God. But I more like got in my bed and pulled the covers over my head and uh, just was really struggling. And then I began to feel, I physically felt faith arising. I could Mm. feel it in my belly. I laid there for a few minutes. I started talking with the Lord. And the next thing I knew, I was on my feet. And I remember texting my kids and saying... Mom might have been crying, and it's okay to cry, but I am up. And that always seems to me, for me, is that when I go through that, it is like um, faith has risen up, and I am ready to fight. The scripture that the Lord gave us at that very time was from James 1 that says, Consider it nothing but joy, my brothers and sisters. Whenever you fall into various trials, be assured that the testing of your faith produces endurance, leading to spiritual maturity and inner peace. Let endurance have its perfect result and do a thorough work so that you may be mature and completely developed in your faith, lacking in nothing. God gave us a scripture. And I remember um, encountering people that would say to us, we need to pray. We need God to give you a miracle right now. Rick needs to be healed right now. And though we did stand in faith, believing for healing, uh, my response was, I don't think that's what God's saying. It appears to me that we're going through. I don't know what the end is going to look like. You know, we are. And so Rick and I made some decisions. And some of those decisions at that point that we made was that we were going to stand in faith, believe in God for healing. We believe that God heals, that he heals today, that he heals suddenly, that he heals over time, that he uses doctors. We believe all of those things. God is our healer. Um, 
And so we decided that we were going to stand in faith and we were going to trust God. Uh, and then on the other side of that, that we were going to get our affairs in order. For instance, we were going to get a will and get our finances in order. And so we began to do both of those things. And I know that there are times that people struggle with that because they feel like if you are doing those things, putting your finances in order, getting a will, that you're not standing in faith. And I would say, no, no. We are standing. We are trusting God. But God gets the final word. God knows the end result. And so regardless of what that end result is, we want to honor God. So those were a couple other decisions that we made. Was we were not going to become cancer. That we were going to live our lives and we were going to do what we had to do to deal with the cancer. And so that's what we did as, as Rick went through multiple, I think he had eight different kinds of chemo. If we got to the doctors and the doctor said, I'll see you in two weeks, we would pack the car and go on a road trip. And we had many, we were caregivers for Rick's parents at the time and um, during the winter months they were in Florida. So we would pack the car and head to Florida for a few days to check in with his parents. One time, we had the car packed when we went to see the doctor. A little bit funny. The nurse says to the doctor, uh, when they get done here, they are going on vacation. And the doctor said, no, they aren't. And we were like, oh, well, we had our car packed. And I said to Rick, you know, he probably thinks we're getting on a plane and going to an island or something, which is not what we were doing. We did get in the car and... Uh, met our friends at a campsite in Acadia, Maine. <laughs> and I remember saying to Rick, nothing can happen to you here. We are very, nine hours from the hospital. But during that time, uh, it was a year after my husband had had lung surgery because there were cancer in his lungs and he was uh, dealing with some of that, that he climbed the precipice at Acadia National Park. That was kind of our mode. That's uh, that cancer was not going to dictate our life. That we um, we were going to walk with the Lord. We were going to serve Him, and we were going to live our lives. So that was a four and a half year journey. And what are some of the ways God showed you His faithfulness during that mm. time? God provided us with a wonderful support group between our children. Uh, friends that we have had long relationships with our church. There were times that, you know, you hear about checks in the mail, that we would get checks in the mail. Or we'd go to our mailbox and there would be, uh, the one time, a couple thousand dollars in cash in our mailbox. Another way was when my husband was in the hospital and during some of his chemo experience, he would be in the hospital for five days. And if Rick was in the hospital, I was in the hospital. And so uh, we would be, you know, staying in the hospital for five days. And then when it would come time, which is very draining, emotionally draining, physically draining. And when it came time to come home, I would say to him, okay, I'm going to take you home. And then I'm going to go to the grocery store. And before we could get to the car, I can't tell you how many times I would get a text saying, Lynn, I'm on my way to the grocery store. Give me a list. I would be overwhelmed, thankful, because I was exhausted. I was emotionally drained. And so um, having people come alongside of us in that way. My son, our youngest son, got married two weeks after Rick's initial surgery to remove the tumor from his leg. And he was getting married in Erie, Pennsylvania, which is six hours from us. And so uh, as we were walking through that, I had friends that went shopping, bought the clothes that Rick was going to wear to the wedding, 
ordered mm-hmm. 15 pairs of shoes. I already had my dress, but I didn't have any shoes. Ordered 15 pairs of shoes and had them sent to my house so I could choose what to wear. I had uh, promised my daughter-in-law, since I couldn't really be involved in uh, their wedding preparations because I was so far away, um, prior to knowing about Rick's diagnosis, which was in April, they got married in July, I said to her, listen, it's strawberry season in New Jersey in June, so how about if I make the party favors that you're going to give out for your wedding, and and Rick and I will make um, and can strawberry jam for every person. So I ordered 150 jars from Amazon. <laughs> Rick and I were able to make a couple of batches, but then we were not able. And so I remember calling a girlfriend and saying... Um, and asking her if she would be willing to make some batches of strawberry jam. And she said, yes, she would. And so another girlfriend came to pick up the things to deliver to her and said to me, Lynn, just put all of that in the car. Put it all in my car. And I said, I did not ask her to make all of the jam. (laughs) It's okay, Lynn, just put it in my car. (laughs) So she took everything to our friend Robin and uh, Robin told me that she got up at 4.30 in the morning uh, to start making jam before it got hot out. And it never really got that hot, so she continued to work till 5.30 at night and made all of the jam. I mean, we would just continually, we would be get in bed at night and be in tears, overwhelmed by the faithfulness of God and by the ministry of others. Uh, my husband, for three months, was on hospice before he went to glory. Uh, starting two months prior to that, we live in a very old house. We hear that it was built in 1867. Rick had done a lot of work um, to restore it. Uh, prior to his diagnosis, he had torn apart the kitchen and put in cabinets and was working on the kitchen when he got diagnosed. Beginning at that time in June, from June till a little after uh, Rick passed on to glory, our house was in t- had a total makeover. There was aluminum siding put on our house, new roof put on our house, a patio added to our house. Our kids came over in June on Father's Day, kids and some friends and some brothers, And they completely emptied our attic, our basement, and our garage, which would be a feat. My husband was in construction, and he was a mechanic. And so there was never anything that you might not have to use someday. And so it was in our garage. (laughs) (laughs) Over the course of the week, we filled two 20-yard dumpsters. We lived in our house for 40 years. The kids emptied our attic onto tarps they took the things that they wanted and i remember saying to rick wow some of our kids have been married 15 16 years and they're actually moving out today (laughs) (laughs) and so and i will tell you that if it wasn't for that happening i would not have been able to stay here through the winter after rick passed because the furnace Mm. needed to be replaced Um, rick would fix our furnace several times during the winter i knew how to turn it on. I did not have the ability to fix it. And so um, we had new furnace put in. Our home was switched from oil to gas. Uh, we have rooms in our home that were completely redone. It was, it was just amazing. I can't even tell you the value of what people, what our family and our kids and our friends uh, invested in us during those days so when all of this horror horror hardship is going on Mm -hmm. the love of god was really just surrounding you and carrying you along yes as a matter of fact i read a scripture last week isaiah 54 10 says for the mountains may depart and the hills be removed but my steadfast love shall not depart from you and my covenant of peace shall not be removed says the lord who has compassion on you 
And I read mm-hmm. that scripture, and the Lord just brought it to my attention and reminded me that during that four-and-a-half-year journey of dealing with cancer, that we lived smack in the middle of that scripture. That we mm-hmm. were surrounded by God's steadfast love. We walked those four and a half years in his covenant of peace. You know, when the scripture says a peace that surpasses understanding, yes, we walked in that peace that surpasses understanding. Yeah, and, and it does, I mean, that's not a peace the world can give you. It only it is can come not. from the Lord. So Lynn, you've told me that the the two years since Rick passed have really been the hardest you've ever walked through. Mm. Uh, share a little about your grieving process and and what you learned through it all and how God is even using it now. I think some of the same things that we learn in life is that life is about choices. Grieving, ugh, it's a tough one. Um, I remember one time um, I was driving to my son's to celebrate his daughter's birthday and I was crying and actually you know they tell you not to make any major decisions in the first year well about six months in I uh, decided that I would get myself a puppy and so I got a golden retriever puppy you know that's like having a baby and it was probably um, my also my worst two months of grieving it was just a very difficult time and I realized later it was um in, in the scope of that journey, it was the month that Rick was diagnosed. It was the month that um, uh, March, uh, prior to his passing, was the month that his, that COVID, you know, COVID showed up. Uh, my husband's health went downhill very quickly. We did not know what was wrong with him. Uh, we realized later it was the cancer taking over his body. So, um, though I wasn't thinking about those things, uh, they were affecting me. And so having a puppy in the house, uh, was very (laughs) difficult. And I remember calling my kids and saying, I I made a mistake. I can't do this. I don't know what to do by five o'clock every night. I'm crying. And, uh, and they just kept saying, mom, just hang in there hang in there. It's going to be okay. And you're going to be thankful that you have her. And so with grief, you just, you cannot plan it. You cannot uh, have a little roadmap of how you're going to grieve because grief just comes upon you. And I remember having the puppy and driving up to my son's uh, to celebrate his daughter's birthday and crying. It's a two hour drive to his house. I drove for about 40 minutes. The puppy is whining in the car. I am crying. And I just had to call my son and say, I can't do it. I can't do it. I'm going home. And so we turned around and, uh, you know, and we came home. Um, I was able to get myself there the next day. I said to my kids, I'm going to try again. I can't guarantee anything. I left the dog home and I was able to get there. On my way home that day, my son called me and he said, Mom, you might be mad at me, but I just want to let you know that I called your church and got the number for the counselor. (laughs) And I said, well, I'm not mad at you. The counselor is a friend of mine. I have her number right here. And I called her myself on the way home. So it's just that grief process. And I feel like it will be a part of my life for the rest of my life in different ways. Um, But again... There was one morning that I was in my bed and I was journaling. I'm a big journaler. And I was writing in my journal, um, you know, I could be depressed and angry and bitter. and um, But that's not going to change anything. And the Holy Spirit, again, very clearly said to me, it will change everything. Mm-hmm. It will change how you walk. It will change how you deal with life. It will change how you deal with people. It will change how people deal with you. So make no mistake about it. You could make those choices and you could live there, but it will change everything. And so even through the 
grief process when Rick was first diagnosed. I said to my girlfriends, as much as you're able, you know, I said, I really had to settle in myself that God sees me, that he knows where I am. He knows what life has for us. And regardless of the plan he has for Rick, he has a plan for me. I have to say, I've never really been in a place. I know, I know a lot of people get to this place. Uh, we all grieve differently. I've never really been in a place to ask God why. I trust him. And, you know, I say that I see the pinhead of the present. God sees the beginning from the end. And he knows what is best. And I think that's something that we have to also settle in ourselves is that God is good. He's good and he's kind. And so I never really got to the place of being, people would say to me, are you angry with God? No. How could I be angry with God? God is my lifeline. God is the one who saves me. He's the one who heals me. He's the one who restores me. I remember one night before Rick passed, I was bawling my eyes out, uh, laying on his chest, just bawling my eyes out. And Rick said to me, Lynn, are you angry at God? And I said, no. I'm angry at the circumstances. But I am not angry at God. Do I want to walk through this? No, thank you. No, this would not be anything I would ever choose to do myself. But is God faithful? God is faithful. And so I, I say often that um, I am a blessed woman. And, you know, I say to God, I have one complaint, and it's a big one. My husband's not here. Beyond that, I am a blessed woman. God knows how to care for me. I am blessed. I am blessed by my children, my grandchildren my friends, my support group, my church that has been so supportive to us. And so I am a blessed woman. I said to the Lord a few weeks ago, God, you know what? If I start complaining, could you just smack me upside the head? Because I really have nothing to complain about except for that one thing. <laughs> and the Lord has allowed you to start really kind of sharing your experiences and wisdom with other women who've mm -hmm. been in a place of grief as well. Yes. I'd say over this past year, some of them in these couple of weeks are celebrating one year anniversaries. I have had uh, several friends that have lost their husbands. Um, uh, one man who has lost, lost his wife uh, recently. And, you know, my life scripture has always been Second Corinthians 1, that, that when we go through trials, God comforts us, that he's the God of comfort, so that then we are able to comfort others. And I take that very seriously. I remember my girlfriend, it was probably, it was a year ago, uh, her husband died one year, one month, one day after mine. And so I was at their home preparing a room for him to be able to come home for his last, for his last time. You know, my girlfriend said to me, Lynn, how can you be helping us when you're walking through your own stuff? You know, and I thought, you know what, does it make it worth it? Mm, I don't know about that. But, you know, God says he uses everything. And that what the enemy means for our destruction he uses for his glory and for salvation. And so, um, I see, you know what? It, it gives it purpose. It gives it purpose. Hmm. And to be able to help other people. You know, and I think I'm a part of a uh, Facebook, a widow's group, widower's group. And I hear people's stories. And I think, you know what? This is tough. This is probably and hopefully the hardest thing I will ever walk through. But there are people that are walking through situations that I can't even imagine. You know, whether they've lost a child or have been abandoned by, you know, people as they go through grief. I just read people's situations and just think, God is just so good as we, you know, as we lean into him and submit to him. 
You know, I remember saying to a yeah. uh, girlfriend who was kind of walking a cancer journey with us, and um, her husband was going through treatment, and she actually called me one time as I was, she didn't realize this, but I was in the waiting room. Rick was in surgery for a lung biopsy, and uh, she was having a hard time, and I said to her, you know what? I realize that as long as I want God to do what I want him to do, when I want him to do it, the way I want him to do it, I have agita. I have anxiety. Mm. But the moment that I submit and say, God, not my will, but yours be done, I have peace. And that, and goes, that's powerful. Even for the, that goes even for the grief journey, that when I submit to him. I think sometimes um, our prayers can be a little bit manipulative. We're trying to get God to do what we want him to do rather than seeking him and trusting him for what he would want to do. So Lynn, you've walked many, many years with the Lord and you've shared some great wisdom, but are, are there one or two other key truths that you can share to help others if they're in good times or, or walking through the tough times? One thing is I would say God is trustworthy. He is worthy of our trust he loves us like no one else could love us he has a plan for us he has purpose for our lives and so i would say trust god in the days that are the hardest when you don't know what to do you don't know where to go lean in and trust god because he's trustworthy and he's faithful and I think the second thing I would say is that walking with God is a relationship. And uh, some of what I shared before about submitting to him. He is Lord. He doesn't submit to us. We submit to him. And walking with him is a relationship and he deals with us in process. He's not a sugar daddy. He's not Santa Claus. Um, he wants us to grow and be healed and restored. And that comes through allowing him to work in process in our lives. So I would encourage all of us that whatever you're dealing with, um, don't look to blame others. Take responsibility for your life. Take responsibility for your relationship with the Lord. And walk in relationship with him. I remember thinking when I was going through the process with Rick on the cancer journey, I remember thinking that my life was in a broad place, that God had brought me into a broad place of freedom that I had never known in my life. And he mm -hmm. did that through process. He did that through repentance. He did that through, um, you know, allowing him to, sh to show me um, why I was acting or reacting in the way that I was and then submitting to him and walking through to get to freedom. So I would just say treasure that relationship and allow God to be God. Well, before we end, Lynn, uh, is there a, a woman's story in the Bible that's inspired, encouraged, or taught you something? And how does her story relate to yours? Okay, I think that uh, someone I think about a lot is uh, Deborah, the judge. The word says about her that she was a judge and that um, Israel came to her. And so it has always been inspired me to seek the Lord for wisdom hmm. and to seek the Lord for wisdom in my life and the things that I'm dealing with. And then to be able to share that wisdom with others. And as she shared with Barack, when God said, it's time to go, it's time to go and fight this war. And I'm going to give you the victory. And Barack said, oh, I'm not going unless you go with me. I just is so inspiring to me that um, she didn't really, she didn't back down from that. She stood up to that and said, okay, let's go do this. And so, you know, is that she just really had the courage to do what God called her to do. That's a good word. Well, you know, no matter what season of life we're walking through, the Lord is a very great, a very merciful, and a very kind shepherd. 
he's the one who directs us to places of refreshing, yes. of restoration, of comfort, of provision, of protection, and of goodness. Mm, Lynn, would you take a moment and pray for everyone who's listening to this episode? So, Father God, we just uh, come before you and we give you honor. We give you glory. We give you praise because you are worthy of that. And so, Father, I pray for each one that's listening. Father, I pray that um, some of the things that Jody and I have shared would inspire, would exhort, would encourage uh, us to grow in our relationship with you to lean into you even in the darkest times of our life and allow you to be God, allow you to be our comforter, allow you to be our strength, allow you to be our wisdom. Your word says, Lord, that you are the uh, wisdom and knowledge, the stability for our times. And Father, I thank you that that truly is who you are. That as we walk through situations in our lives, that you walk with us, that you lead us, that you guide us. And so, Father, I pray for each one of us that we wouldn't be, as your word says, like a mule that needs to have a harness on them to get them to go uh, where you would have them go. But, Father, that we would be quick to submit to you, that we would be quick to come to you, that we would be quick to allow you to be truly the Lord of our lives. That, Father, that you would be glorified uh, in our lives, Lord God. So, Father, I ask today that for those that are listening, Father, that you would comfort those that need to be comforted, that you would strengthen those that need strength, that, Father, that you would speak to those that need to hear your voice. And to continue, Lord, I pray, to teach us how to walk with you through all the days of our lives in Jesus name. Amen. Well, thank you for tuning in in our show notes at hergodstory.org. You'll find links to the scriptures and other helpful information, as well as a free six week devotional on women of the Bible. Check it out. We hope it'll bless you in your walk with the Lord. And if you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you on our 24 seven prayer and text line. You can give us a call anytime at 855-459-CARE or email us at prayer at somebodycares.org. Would you take a moment and rate or review the podcast on whatever streaming service you use and share this story with friends who might enjoy it? If you haven't already, be sure to like or follow the podcast so you don't miss an episode. And now, dear friends, I leave you with a blessing adapted from Colossians 1, verses 9 and 10. May the Lord give you complete knowledge of his will and give you spiritual wisdom and understanding so you will always honor and please the Lord, producing every kind of good fruit. And may you learn to know God better and better. Her God Story is a ministry of Somebody Cares America and International. To find out more about or support the ministry, go to somebodycares.org.